This is the Greyhorn Pagans Podcast, a podcast hosted and produced by the tribe of the Greyhorn Pagans, the frontrunners in the Pagan Revival. On this podcast, we discuss all matters paganism, witchcraft, mysticism, and mythology. We thank you all for joining us once more, and welcome the Greyhorn Pagans Podcast. supposed to go live for another uh, let's say 10 minutes but i thought just like uh, last time when we did the pagan revival thought i'd go live a little early that way people have the chance to to come in join us we get some questions prepared that you uh, you may have and uh, that way sorry i'm trying to get my new bracelet on i got a awesome bracelets and Fenris wolf that uh, was a gift from my dear sister for my birthday my birthday was yesterday happy birthday to me absolutely so thank you emma thank you sis um i'm just gonna share everything around a bit since you know we are live and we will be talking today about ancient prussia and baltic paganism something i know well really <laughs> nothing um but my guest, um, a fellow tribal member, he has done quite extensive research into the... Um, he wanted to come on and talk about it for a while, but he thought that he... Um, he didn't knew enough yet, so he wanted to do some more, some more research, get himself, get himself familiar with the topic, get himself familiar with all the, um, all the facts and all the, um, the happenings and events and whatever. Uh, and then he was going to come on the podcast and that then happened. So I am very happy about that. I am expecting him, uh, any moment i can find our telegram chat all right this is recording one of two that i will be doing today that i will be doing tonight uh later tonight i will be live with uh, the wifey firefay we'll be talking about witchy whispers uh which is her brand uh, she wanted to do some promotion for it ah there is my kitty co-host um so yeah let's just let's get some promotion out of the way um before alex comes in uh if you're watching this you're, um you know if you're watching this when it's live if you're watching this when you know it has been posted edited all of it already um do make sure to uh, to like it make sure to leave us something nice in the comments share it with everybody that you um that you might think would find this interesting um or just share it with anybody Really, they don't even have to um, have to find it interesting. Sorry, just gonna try and adjust my. I should mute myself before I do that. One moment, guys. No, I'm. Uh, I'm gonna leave my microphone the way it is. I don't want to fiddle with it. Yeah, uh, God, he always gets tangled up in the wires. Yeah, I love you. And it seems that our guest is in the studio. So, Alex, thank you Hello. for joining us. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Can you hear me all right? I can hear you just fine. Yeah. 
I'm not sure. Are we on the air already or not? Yeah, we're good. yeah, we're live, man. So oh, okay. uh thought I'd go live a little early so that the okay. uh the people can come in and join us. Uh, um, just, uh compiling my notes, a few notes that I made <laughs> over the last few days. Ah, no, just you know, take it easy, take your time. We have uh we got we got plenty of time, we ain't we're in no rush. And uh, uh, happy birthday. Yeah, thank you. Thank happy you very much. Birthday. It was yesterday, was it? Yeah, it uh, it was actually. Uh, turned uh, the ripe old age of 32 already. Oh, that's, that's a beautiful age. I've been hearing it from a lot of people. So, you know, we'll see what the, uh, <laughs> we'll see what the year, what the year brings. Uh, well, it already brought uh, the transit, the famous transit of uh, Pluto into Aquarius. Yeah, it has. It has. I've been hearing and seeing a lot about that, like all over. Well, the uh, the um, the pagan community, the astrology astrology community, um, going to be yeah, going to be an interesting time. Exactly. But um, I know you you don't do much in the uh, the way of content creation and all. But uh, introduce yourself to the to the people who may not be familiar with you or with what you do, whatever. That may be. All right. Well, I'm uh, Alex. Uh, I'm originally from Portugal, but I live in northern Poland. And I have an uh, interest in uh, Slavic and Baltic uh, languages and mythology and history. So I have uh, uh, been living in this part of Europe for a few years now. And uh, I have developed this, this uh, interest because in my home country, you know, we didn't hear a lot about this we didn't hear anything when it came to paganism the only thing we knew was basically the norse paganism we didn't even hear about our own paganism so yeah just as a as a fun fact so i have been um going a little bit into this and and uh getting a little bit involved with uh, some communities, mostly online, but uh, also more recently in, uh, you know, in the real life. And uh, yes, uh, I uh, discovered your uh, podcast. I don't know how. I think it was somehow on Telegram. And I saw some of the episodes. I really enjoyed the one you did with Kiona Edgar. And uh, yes, I, I we actually, we talked, I believe it was uh, roughly one year ago. And I said that I would like to one day be on if uh, there will be, I think I asked if there would be some episode of somebody uh, mentioning or talking about Slavic and or Baltic mythology. And I believe you said something like uh, there was nobody uh, or not, nothing was planned, but you know, you were open to having me on and discussing this a little bit, uh, which I postponed uh, partially a little bit because of fear of it. Because also I'm, I'm not a... I'm not a specialist, you know, I'm not an academic on this. I just do it on, you know, as a, as a hobby. But yeah, finally I gained the courage and yeah, here I am. But today I will be talking about uh, Baltic paganism a little bit, mostly introducing a little bit the topic because there's a lot to be said and I don't know everything there is to know. So I'll just have more like a high level uh, discussion of this mm -hmm. and uh, mention also uh, the old Prussian uh, culture, you know, something that it's a little bit mysterious because not a lot of people know. Uh, when it, uh, when people mention the word Baltic, normally what people think is the modern Baltic states, you know, Lithuania, uh, Latvia and Estonia, which are mm -hmm. now part of the European Union and part of NATO, which were in times part of the Soviet Union. Um, but before this, and uh, there is uh, some nuances because uh, people, especially those of us who are not acquainted with the Baltic, might if either they 
don't have any idea what they are about, what their language is, what they believe, mm-hmm. what they do. Or they might think that, uh, you know, all the Baltic states, they are very similar, you know, in culture, in, in language. Well, there are some differences. Well, well, the culture might be uh, seemingly or might appear similar to an outsider between the three. Uh, in terms of languages, there is a division, a significant division. Whereas Latvia and uh, uh, Lithuania, they speak uh, Latvian and Lithuanian, which are Baltic languages. They are mm-hmm. from the Indo-European family of languages. Estonia speaks, uh, they speak Estonian, which is a Finno-Ugric language. So the Estonian language is uh, closer to Finnish than it is to Lithuanian or Latvian. So it's might be a fact that surprises some people because usually uh, even when they are portrayed by the media, you know, these are three uh, relatively small countries and they're all bundled together. Like they're all mentioned together, like as a as a, as a bundle almost. Yeah. yeah, there is this, and uh, so when it comes to um, languages, uh, to focus on the Baltic languages, which is uh, modern day Latvian and Lithuanian, there used to be uh, uh, more languages. There used to be the old Baltic Prussian language, mm-hmm. which was the language that was spoken by the Prussian uh, Baltic Prussian tribes, and by Baltic Prussian, I don't mean the German Prussia, the, you know, the state of Prussia, also known as Poison. No, the, I mean what was before, because basically these were these were uh, several tribes that existed around the region, and I, I don't know if uh, it, there is a possibility to share one screen. Yeah, of course, if you, uh, if you have I some think things the prepared. Best way to portray this is to show an image and. Let me see if I can share. Sorry, because it's share screen. So I pretty much know uh, know nothing about uh, Prussia or Baltic paganism or anything. Like I, I know Prussia, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, because of the German Germanic Prussia, uh, their like houses, their royal family have had quite mm-hmm. the uh, the influence within the uh, the Dutch royal family, of course, and in Dutch history, we're very like closely connected to them. Baltic paganism. The only thing I know about it is there's very little to to know about it because, as you uh, as you said, it's it's like all about Germanic paganism. It's all about Norse paganism. Exactly, some exactly. some Slavic, but mostly like more in the Norse Germanic Norse, context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think because also because of the Witcher, because uh, I I never read the books. I never uh, saw the yeah series, but I understand there is some uh, uh, references to Slavic folklore. But yeah, about uh, by the way, can you see the tab or I, I don't yeah. Know. I can let me. Okay. Do you see my mouse pointer? I have no idea. I yes, I do. I can. So, I can as you it. can see, this is a, the might feel a little bit like a lecture, but just just to situate this. Okay. So this is the Gulf of Riga. This is modern day Latvia. This part here. This is modern day Lithuania, and this is. Uh, especially this one, Sambian, where I say Sambians, it was the Sambia Peninsula or Semba, I don't know how to say it. I believe Semba was the actual Prussian word for it. But yeah, this peninsula, this is modern day Poland. This is actually where I live in okay. Gdansk, as a curiosity. But this uh, Sambia Peninsula is what is nowadays known as Kaliningrad, the Kaliningrad Oblast of uh, Russia. Yeah, and used to be known as Königsberg for many, many years, many centuries, also due to the uh, Ost poison. But this is one of the uh, important uh, 
lands of, of the Prussian tribes. And this uh, interesting map, it basically shows a high-level view of the Baltic tribes, circa uh, 1200, uh, I believe CE, I believe after Christ. I, I don't know, I never get this right, but uh, that's... Yeah, uh, 1200 common era, so yeah, yeah, okay. uh, yeah let's say 1200, um, at 1200 after uh, after Christ, after our calendar started. Mm -hmm. um, so that's like middle middle ages that's like yes, that's, during uh, the the like pretty much the glory days of uh of european paganism northern eastern european paganism uh well, well i may may say that by this time uh for example by this year that mm -hmm. shows here poland has already been uh christianized because the christianization of poland took place if i'm not wrong between the 9th and the 10th century and also the, oh, wow. the, the, the Nordics, uh, I don't know about Sweden, but I know that by this time, um, Denmark was already Christianized, if I'm not wrong, of course, Germany, because this is when it started uh, uh, here, for example, Riga. Riga was officially founded, the city of Riga, as we know today, mm -hmm. uh, in, I believe, 1201. So in the early 1200s, I bishop, so this was the missionary of this um, Teutonic order. So basically they started, they established a stranglehold, a stronghold, and then they used this for their uh, raids and to attack the pagan tribes. But as you can see here, so this is the Lithuanians, which are the modern day Lithuanians. Yeah. But there was also Kuronians, uh, there was Latgalians, which I think they are the predecessors, even the semi-Galians of the modern day Latvians. This uh, lands here, actually some of this, I don't know how precisely, but some of these lands are of nowadays Belarus. So uh, some of the Belarusian lands nowadays are also important for the oh, okay. of these, uh, ancient Prussians. I believe here Galindians, this area, Galindia and Jotvingia, uh, many of this land nowadays belongs to Belarus. Here basically since we believe here, somewhere here, is the Suvalki Strait, which is now has been in the news because of all these uh, escalations. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, as you can see, uh, there was plenty of tribes. But yeah, Prussians, there was this tribe of the Prussians, but there was a lot of uh, smaller tribes, the, the Varmians, the Natangians, the, the Galindians, Yotringians. Uh, and uh, if I know correctly, if I'm right, they, they all had their own languages, their own dialects. But this Prussian language, this was believed to be spoken by the Prussians and basically uh, the their dialects they didn't differ so much from from the uh, from the Prussian language and uh, this Prussian language as I said is is a language from the is a Baltic language it's also from the Indo-European languages yeah. and it's similar to uh, modern day Lithuanian and, and Latvian but not a lot of people uh, know this language uh, I think it's uh, very little the language was I think it was formally declared extinct or just pretty much declared extinct mm -hmm. because basically during uh, the the 13th 14th 15th centuries uh, there were the wars between the the pagan tribes and and the and the teutonic knights and eventually the christians uh, prevailed and they assimilated the peoples you know, they took over and they assimilated the peoples and the the peoples of these lands they converted to christianity although many of them still kept their own uh, pagan traditions mm -hmm. and uh, another uh, might uh, come across as a fun fact is that Lithuania was the last uh, country to be Christianized. They were Christianized in the 15th century. I don't remember what was the year, but they were the last nation to be paganized. In the 15th wonder... century? That's yes, exactly. That's late. 
Exactly. By the they 15th held century, for a while. my home country of Portugal, we were already more than Christianized. We were expanding. We were actually bringing Christianity to the other parts of the world, such as Africa. You know, that's when colonization mm-hmm. started. Or the discovery started. Then they came colonization. But yeah, okay. the, the big motivators, politically speaking, at the time, sorry, I'm digressing a little bit. That's but okay. one of the motivators, uh, because of course the kings they wanted to expand uh, and they wanted more resources, but uh, the, the the clergy they wanted to, to be missionaries to to expand the Christian faith. So that's when they they went aboard and they took the Christian faith overseas. But yeah, back to the, our topic. Yes, Lithuania was the last nation to be uh, Christianized. Uh, may I ask, have you ever been in the Baltic state? Uh, no, unfortunately, I I haven't. I've been about as far east as uh, as Poland. Okay. Um, I believe it was like where we were on vacation. There was um, a thirty minute drive or so away from uh, from Auschwitz, from the, wow. the former camp. We didn't yeah. go there like uh, myself, my brother, and my sister. We were way too young mm-hmm. for that. Uh, but that's about as far east as I made it. I have mm-hmm. with uh, with someone from Lithuania, like one of my uh, previous employers yeah. in the Hague, uh, like a, a beer cafe or some sort. Um, was a was like very international staff, of course. So. Mm-hmm. And one of my, like one of my favorite people from uh, the front of the house, from the, like the servers and yeah. uh, Dominika's yeah. chill dude. Like he was from Lithuania and um, like, he was like the, the very stereotypical um, like Eastern European, you know, just, you know, big and blonde and very <laughs> sturdy, sturdy yeah. guy. Uh, but like good guy, but was no, he I um, interested. He definitely was interested, but I don't believe he, uh, he necessarily was religious, but you know he did find it very interesting. Now, as a curiosity, if you happen to go to to visit uh, any of these states, particularly Lithuania, mm-hmm. you'll notice that uh, Lithuanians are still very much culturally pagan. They have a lot of uh, pagan customs and traditions in their country in Latvia as well but in Lithuania I think it's more because I've been to both and I know people from both places and it's a little bit more uh, so to speak overt and much more overt than Poland although in Poland and I'm digressing a little bit there are movements so-called uh, Rodnovery uh, in English, mm-hmm. I think in Polish is Rodzimo Wierstwo. and But they have like several local movements. So there is one here in Gdansk, there is one in the south, there is uh, several. Whereas in Latvia and Lithuania, since they are smaller uh, countries, I think we only have one. And in Lithuania there is Romuva, which basically, as I understand, uh, more like a pagan revival or basically keeping the pagan traditions alive. Yeah. And in Latvia it's called Dievturiba. Uh, in Estonia, Sonia, I think they have something as well, but I don't know nothing about it. But uh, yeah, but in in addition to this, in in Lithuania, you know, you can find. Uh, I don't know. Are you familiar with the website Pagan Places? Um, I have heard of it. I believe I am a follower of them on their Twitter, but I can't say for sure because they have plenty of, of sites. And if you access their website and if you go into the areas of modern. Lithuania and Latvia, and even you know Poland, but particularly those, there is a lot of pagan sites there. You know, there is a lot of uh, uh, places that were of, of uh, uh, that was significant for for the pagans. You know, uh, former shrines, for uh, former sacred places, of course, the forest. Yeah, I'm 
Uh, I'll share my screen real quick as I am uh, looking up their website now. And they have oh, a lot still, you know? Yes. Like we have the, the runestone here, some idols, sacral places, some weird ass looking hats like must have been a big dude on that i want to show you something but but uh, yeah so this yeah there is a lot this is really cool by the way for for you and for if anyone is watching us and they they are a fan of you know music festival for for folklore uh there is uh, a festival and i believe it will be the last edition this year in lithuania it's called uh, Menuos Yodaragis. I might be mispronouncing it, but I don't know Lithuanian. But it's called uh, Menuos Yodaragis. I don't know if I can send you later to put in the notes of the show or something. If, if they search or if you, if I can search and I will show you, I'll share my screen. Give me a second. Yeah, no, of course. So that's a big... Um... That's a big uh, uh, music festival, a pagan festival in, in, in Lithuania. There okay. is one uh, similar in Poland that's uh, taking place, but that's for Slavic paganism. That's in, in Volvi, near Szczecin. That's called the Festival of Slavs and Vikings. Mm -hmm. It's also very popular, takes place every year. But this is something that takes place only in Lithuania. Let me share my screen again. Yeah, no, of course. It seems like a lot of those festivals are popping up and have become more the final edition. popular. Oh yeah. This is going been going on for over 20 years now since the mid 1990s. Well, uh, 20 years is the early 2000s. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a shocker, but yeah, like 20 years but ago is, is that's festival, still the 2000s. And uh, uh yeah, began in 1995. So yeah, since 1995. Wow. And this is not only uh, I I've never been to to this festival. Unfortunately, I was supposed to go last year, but uh, I had to change my plans the last minute as you say what of uh but it's uh, of course there is uh, music there is bands but uh, there is also more cultural activities if i understand correctly so it's it's oh, a very okay. interesting uh, uh, event it's there is a very interesting in terms of culture you know in terms of being there in, in the nature it's it's uh, it's really nice really nice oh yeah that looks really that looks really cool and it's been going on for Close to 30 years already? Yep, yep. Wow. 1995. I think there was a, the years of the pandemic. They didn't have the festival. Yeah. And they, they restarted. But apparently they, it will be the last, last time that they will uh, host this festival. And, I mean, um, 30 so years. Like, I don't think anyone will blame them if they call it quits by now. That's yeah. that's a long time for, for like a yearly festival to, um, to go on. And in um in baltic paganism just like very basic is there a head god is there someone like we uh you know like odin for example like who we could that's a very interesting or could see as odin? i want to show you a picture let me see if i can oh man you got a whole slideshow prepared okay actually it's just web pages <laughs> i didn't prepare a slideshow but no, yeah. hey, that's you know, it's perfectly fine. You know, the more uh, the more visual, uh, visual things but you can share with us. Easiest place. So these are the three uh, main uh, gods. Okay, the gods. They are mostly associated with with. Can you see it? Sorry. Yeah, I can. I can see it. I just I uh, oh, I did a full screen uh, real quick because this is quite important. So these are the three main gods. Yes. So the one on the right this is. Uh, Potrimpo, this is uh, Perkunas, and this is uh, 
balance if i said correctly and basically let me because i was checking because i don't know all this uh no that's that's perfectly fine but i have heard the name perkunas i have yeah uh, this this is this is it perkunas perkunas is basically the equivalent of the of the uh, slavic perun is the god of thunder storm oh right that's uh, potrinko, why i recognize the, the god of peace earth rain and crop and there is palance that's his name can you uh enlarge the uh the top picture the um like the the logo or what is it the the room uh this one yeah that is that's the that is a sun cross okay some beautiful imagery and there is actually uh if you'll give me a second yeah no imagery and symbolism let me stop sharing because uh, <laughs> attention because i will show you something physical oh please do if you have something just to, uh... god sorry because i had a bunch of pages open and i saw it and uh this was minus, there, I, I just saw a blog with let me I mean the more you can can share with us the you know the better because like I said I there's a, 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 not a lot of, of uh, literature on this for example in, in Norse paganism because it's, it's very popular mm -hmm. uh, and uh, it's a bit scattered so uh, you know also so, I mean, there is literature in you know lithuanian latvian some in polish but in english there is not a lot so so do you know why that is why is baltic paganism out of all like you know we have lots of um of slavic mm -hmm. you know we we know more about slavic paganism so well, then why baltic paganism which is you know, if if that map is correct, you know, just mm -hmm. a little further to the east, like it's you know the the neighboring countries going more into yeah. Yeah. to Russia and the um well the you know the the current Baltic mm -hmm. states. Why do we know so little about it? Like we know every, we know about everything. You know, like Celtic, we know all about it. It's, uh, Germanic and Norse. I mean, yeah, there is still some disputes, but you know, we know a lot about it. Slavic, as you said, you know, it's been um coming up more and there is now we're discovering more about it like also due to uh excavations and all but baltic paganism i mean i rarely hear or see it mentioned anywhere like only really in the the smallest of, of circles and uh like as you mentioned at the very beginning you know when when people talk about paganism they usually mean you know the norse gods or you know norse germanic um well Baltic or Roman paganism you know yeah for example you know Greco-Roman uh so well, Baltic paganism you know they're it's they're beautiful countries and relatively you know, obscure you know it's, it's... yeah so why why is that I mean it's still European paganism yeah, exactly so. I I think uh well I I don't know the 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 objective truth of it but I have my opinion my opinion is that well these are our small countries mm -hmm. and you know in the recent history they were occupied by the Soviet Union many years and there was a lot of obscurantism because this countries they were assimilated uh, and basically the, their national identities were diluted you know they, they there was a lot of uh, you know, relocation also of ethnic Russians into these countries and uh, you know during those years there was the, there was obscurantism the languages were basically kind of uh, suffered this obscurantism or suppressed uh, 
the culture was suppressed, you know, and, and even before, you know, they were occupied before by Germans and, and so on. But even before the, the Second World War, these countries, they came to existence uh, in their modern form in uh, in the afterward of the First World War, because even before that, they were either part of the Russian Empire or previously they were occupied by the Germans of the, or the the poison, you know, or the Teutons. Now, Lithuania, the, the history of Lithuania goes way back because Lithuania, uh, I mean, at some point they were united with Poland. Uh, I'm sure you have heard of this uh, famous uh, Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth. Actually, okay, it's, well. it's it's not something we're uh, we're really taught in uh, in school. Yeah, at, least not, at least not here. Um, yeah. No, that, but but I think that, that just goes to show because on the west or so-called west. Of the uh, uh, former Iron Curtain, which uh, yeah, uh, you know the former Western Europe and Eastern Europe. I think we at in the quote-unquote West, we don't know much about the countries on the quote-unquote. And you know these are small countries; they are not so popular, and you know their culture is not so widespread. You know, whereas everybody knows about Norse paganism, everybody knows about, or at least heard about Celtic on Greco-Roman. I think that's yeah. because of that. And if you combine that with, you know, this fact that they were occupied by the Soviets and they were suppressed and they, they ceased to exist for a number of years, I think that also contributes. But as for the other god, this is what I wanted to show you. Let me share my screen again. Yeah, no, of course. But I mean, that, that makes sense, you know, with the, uh, you know, the Iron Curtain and the wall and everything, like pretty much everything... Uh, to the east, you know, the bad guys, if you will, because, you know, the free west and the occupied east. Um, so, yeah, I can imagine that a lot of the uh, a lot of the history, a lot of the heritage has either been, you know, suppressed or destroyed or you just, you know, weren't supposed to. Neglected, you know. To, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, uh, before, because we have to take into account that before there was this obscurantism by the Soviets, there was... You know, the Russian Empire also, there was the, 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 the Prussian Empire, the, the, the Christians, the, the, the Teutonic uh, order that, you know, they, they, they forced people into Christianity. They, yeah. of course, wanted to dilute, to, to erase the history. Of course, these are all patterns that I think we are somewhat seeing nowadays, but this is not the topic for this. But I just wanted to show you this now. Look at how curious this is. Let's open this picture again. Oh, this is in color, you see? Even oh yeah! Oh, that's so. This is Patolo. Yeah, uh, that's a strange name. This is Patrimpo. That's the god of green. This is Perkunas. See, that's kind of flaming. So this yeah, god looks, Perkunas looks like a solar deity. Yeah, he is the equivalent of uh, or somewhat equivalent of Slavic uh, Perun and mm -hmm. uh, Thor in Nordic mythology. Yeah. Now this is the god of grain. I think there is one in Slavic mythology. I don't remember which one he is, uh, so I'm not going to say anything. But this one, uh, uh, Petskols, they call it, but it's Patolo also. Mm -hmm. It was the god of the underworld. Now in Slavic mythology, there was Veles. It was the god of the underworld. Yeah. And the dead. Now look at what it says here. There, uh, Petskols was identified with the Roman god of the underworld. Pluto. Oh. See the parallelism. So, like, with the uh, conjunction of Pluto now and, like, with the, you know, the truth coming out and everything and, yeah. you know, the pagan revival, do you think that um, that Baltic paganism, uh, like, also has a, 
a chance of a pagan revival? Do you do you think that um, you know it will get more known again? Oh, that's an interesting uh, question. I hope it will, but my honest opinion, I, I don't know. I well, I think in a way it, it's getting revived and paganism is getting revived. Mm. But uh, leaving astrology aside for a second, I will get there in a minute. Sure. Uh, I think we have seen in the last few years a decline of. Uh, Christianity. Because yeah. we in the West, even in this former so-called Eastern Bloc, I mean, there is a culturally Christian for, for many centuries. Mm -hmm. But uh, with, with, the, with the progress of technology and the overall increase in, in the life standards and, you know, uh, our way of life is completely different than it was 100 years or 150 years ago. And there has been a decay in uh, religious beliefs in Christianity. It's, it's a fact. Yeah. It's not because I'm an atheist or I'm a this or that. It's a fact. Now, there is still people that believe in Christianity. There is still devout Christians. But the fact is, it's been in decline. Also, many churches, uh, Catholic and not Catholic, I think not so much with the Orthodox, but especially the Catholic, they have been uh, quite progressive and trying to embrace, you know, all these new trends. But... Uh, yeah, I, I mean, they're trying to win over the youth, but I don't think it's being so effective. No, and we, we saw and that too. A, a very sorry. simple rule of thumb. Sorry, let me just finish. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like you know, there's all. If you uh, erase religion, there is a void. There is a void. So eventually, I think the same way as other beliefs are, are uh, rising. But I think in some way, paganism is making a comeback. It, it definitely is. There is most definitely a pagan revival um, yeah. going on. And like we even saw that during the, um, you know, the supposed pandemic. Um, you know, a lot of people like weren't necessarily locked up in their houses. Like a lot of people went outside as well. Um, I've said this before, but I don't think I have been outside in nature or, you know, just the park as much in, in those years since, I don't know, like since, since childhood, really, I've never been outside and just, you know, hanging out and doing whatever as much. Um, so yeah, we got a lot closer to nature, of course. And it definitely also helps that, um, you know, like on a lot of churches, they had banners hanging um some, like some with something along the lines of jesus can save you get you know get the shots <laughs> yeah. you know it's like it's but that's you know that's that's a whole other other rabbit hole but it's it's fascinating to yeah see yeah. and real quick question from uh from josh uh from odinson were the wends which i assume is another um tribe of that region were they considered baltic pagan to the best of your knowledge as far as i know the winds i, I believe are the winds the predecessors of the germans or were they were they originally they uh i mean josh has been doing a lot of uh, a lot of researching in that he says that they were related to the polish and estonian people uh -huh. but had many similarities with the uh lithuanian culture so like from that area from that region could they be as considered far as i know they are not uh, regarded as, as baltic pagans or as a, as a baltic tribe they might have uh, lived nearby the baltic same as in northern poland and in modern day uh Rugen island there was slavic tribes which lived by the baltics but they are not regarded as baltic pagans or they are not in the same group because when they say baltic there is a somewhat of a of a linguistic uh, ethno-linguistic connotation for it so uh, the, the, even the, the Wens, they, they, as far as I know, they are not part of it. Now they might have some some similar beliefs, some similar customs. You know, 
the same between you know Slavic and and, and Baltic and pagans. Before I show you this, uh, I want to just finish on my note uh, with astrology. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, yeah. if you push the topic, and well, Pluto is in Aquarius now. Or... <laughs> no, please do. I mean, like we we can we can. Touch I'm on going to basically uh, rehash a little bit of the points that Fiona has made because also she's an influence. Uh, I've been learning a lot with her and because she is, I think, in my opinion, one of the best astrologers. She's, you know, she's a serious person. She's a no-nonsense type Fiona, At least uh, her demeanor because from what I've seen from her. Fiona, but, uh, Fiona Edgar, you mean? Yes, yes, yeah, exactly. I, I've, yeah, I've done a show with her on astrology. She, yeah, she is, it, she's amazing. She's absolutely yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. And uh, now, uh, Pluto, there is uh, this connotation of this destroyer. You know, they say, oh, well, Pluto, uh, you know, destroying and regeneration, revival. Mm -hmm. uh, now, I think Pluto is the, the, the destruction. Now, of course, after destruction, there comes some resurrection, or some revival. You know, Europe was destroyed after World War II. Eventually, it got rebuilt. Yeah. I think it's part of nature. Now, if you burn a forest, it all gets destroyed, but eventually something will be uh, reborn, you know? Yeah, out uh, of the ashes, something exactly, new exactly. will grow. Yeah. Now, Pluto in Capricorn. What is Capricorn? Capricorn represents the institutions, the system, you know, the, the nation states in, in, a, in a way. Uh, perhaps some people might say nationalism. Some people might say, Fiona says it's the masculine, the father. Now, mm -hmm. throughout this uh, last 16 years, we saw destruction of it. Now, I wouldn't say that, uh, I wouldn't be so far as to say as uh, Pluto in, in, uh, in Capricorn was the destruction of nations. That if anything, that was Pluto in, in uh, Cancer, which uh, preceded the World War II. But actually, basically, that's when the nationalist movements uh, rose up in Europe. And that's... Uh, uh, that's not the point. Now, back into Pluto and Capricorn before I go into Aquarius. Basically, there was uh, the decadence of the system that came up and you see the collapse of the system. You know, the, the, the system as we know it is collapse, collapsing everywhere, corruption yeah. and it's rotten. And it's, you know, not just all in America or in, you know, this country or that country. It's everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, now, <clears throat> uh, Pluto and Aquarius. Aquarius is different uh, from Capricorn. Some people say, well, it's freedom. It's not necessarily, not necessarily. There might be social upheaval, or we've seen it already, uh, some of it. And I think uh, it might be, uh, I don't know if a destruction or, or a, I mean, eventually destruction and regeneration of uh, how we live in terms of groups, not in terms of nations, but in terms of groups, of, of tribes. And part of that uh, can be, you know, paganism, the pagan movement. I think yeah. it could be. I'm not saying it will be, but I think one, a part of it could be. Yeah. Okay. Because let me add this, because as we see, there is a lot of crisis, pandemics, wars, and God knows what, what next. And I think people are coming to the realization that, you know, they cannot rely on the state. Even, you know, the whole nation as a whole, you know, even the patriots. I mean, ask yourself, does my country, even if I'm proud of it, does my country represent what I stand for or are they going on a separate way? And I think as more and more people notice this, and even I remember seeing Varg talking about this when I discovered Varg. Uh, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Varg is an Aquarius and he's actually his... Uh, his discourse is critical of nationalism, but he makes an interesting point because basically what he says is more of a tribal approach. Now, he might be a little bit extreme in what he says, but I think he makes some fair points. And I think it's, 
I mean, can you really rely on a nation? I mean, when all the this system is compromised, perhaps you have to look at you know on your local community. For example, if there is there is a, a pandemic, you have to stay at home. You can only go around your neighborhood. Well, maybe you have to make friends with your neighbors. So if you happen to have, let's say, a local a pagan group, maybe that could be a good network for you, you know, for us as people to you know, to help each other, to engage in, in uh, similar interests. Uh, I think this could potentially represent an opportunity for paganism to, to arise. This can also uh, mean that, you know, Christianism... Christianity can recover, and you know, because you know, local people go to the local church. But I think that uh, the church, as the institution, again, institutions, Capricorn, Pluto has been there, and it's all the rot has coming up, has been coming up. Uh, I think people are a little bit um, di uh, distancing themselves from the churches. So I think nowadays it might not seem so attractive, whereas this local pagan group, people going back to their own traditions, connecting with nature. Devoid yeah. of all this crazy politics, I think it could be an interesting opportunity. Yeah, I mean, there there are some great uh, great opportunities there to, um, you know, to reconnect. It's uh, sorry. I... Oh, it's yeah, your your green screen. Oh wow, yeah, it's not the sigils. It's the symbols that I wanted to show you. So let me see if I can. And uh, like real quick, we have a comment from uh, Caster of Magic. I believe this is Light Elf that the Norwegian city uh, Bergen was attacked by the Baltic pagans in the 1200s. Um, was there a lot of warfare like between the the tribes and the nations? Because you don't hear much about uh, about that. Now there is a, a great question. Uh, I don't know for sure about that particular uh, battle, but mm -hmm. the Baltic tribes, they were known for being fierce and for being, you know, they were they were very autonomous. They, they didn't, uh, they lived uh, side by side, but they were always quarreling, always warring. And actually Christians or the, the, the Teutonics and, and the other Christian missionaries, they mm -hmm. uh, leveraged this because you know, sometimes they sided, some of the tribes sided with the Christians so much went on as to, you know, convert, but more a conversion, not by conviction, but more as a courtesy for political purposes so that they can unite efforts and, and you know, battle against the other Baltic tribes. And uh, it's been said that uh, these divisions, because they couldn't unite as one, that's what also was a disadvantage for them because they were fierce warriors, they had if they had inflicted very heavy defeats on the on the knights on the Teutonic knights. Let's see if I can show. There's a certain distance. Yeah, it's with your green screen. It's uh, now now you can see. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's do okay. on solo so we can all see it. These are some sigils. Uh, for example, and I'm not. I don't know if you are aware, but the famous or the infamous rather nowadays rather infamous swastika is also popular not only amongst the hindus but also amongst the baltic that's that's been a popular symbol and a very widely used symbol in the whole of europe uh, yeah. east and west exactly exactly uh, i mean is i think there is if there is anything uh, quintessentially indo-european there that then that something might be the the swastika. Let me show you this. The king of swastika. You see, seen the one, um, 
like with the like the connected swastikas uh, yeah. on the uh, what is it for you the right hand side? I have seen that before. I believe I'm uh, I'm following someone on Twitter who is also into uh, the Baltic paganism and is actually selling products on her uh, her Etsy. Yeah, oh yeah, also this uh, this one I believe it's very popular in Latvia, Poland as well. But th this is very uh, significant. Oh, yeah, just to show you some symbols. And these are beautiful symbols. You know, these are beautiful symbols, very old. And yeah. Now, another thing that I wanted to add, sorry, I'm being a little bit scattered. No, that's... This is my first time, and there is actually so much to, to talk about. And yeah. Oh, no, also, no worries, when it take comes time. to uh, paganism as, as an alternative to Christianity, because a phenomenon that we have seen in the several last several decades, even is the rise of the new age but i think a strong component of the new age is they are interested in you know hinduism uh, and, and stuff from from the east but yeah it seems to me and i don't want to offend anybody with this but it seems to me that maybe they are looking because often these are you know western people europeans or north americans or European descent, but they're looking a little bit too far to the east. Like, oh, I, I'm not uh, satisfied with what the West has to offer me in terms of you know spirituality. I'm going to look east because there, you know, in India they have the you know the ashrams, the the, the culture. No, it's 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 a it's a, a culture that it's it's a very important culture. It's a magnificent magnificent. Uh, culture. I'm not discrediting their culture, but uh, mm -hmm. in Europe we have this. We have paganism. We have especially Baltic paganism. We can see that it's very Indo-European in, in, in its essence. I mean, the Lithuanian language is regarded as the oldest language. is the one with the most uh, uh, the the closest to the Proto-Indo-European, or so I've heard. So Lithuanian, really? Yes, exactly. Oh. Uh, for example, I think they say Dievas uh, or something, and the, the original word is Devas, something like this. So, but but I don't know this much. Uh, I know some people who are actually they have studied this a little bit, but I don't I don't know much of this. But I've heard that it is the 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 language which is the closest because our languages they have been of course uh, they have suffered so many modifications and so many. So much influence on different uh, from different eras and from different interactions with other peoples, but yeah. I know you have uh, shared some stuff in the in the tribe about it, and I believe we were quite recently, yesterday even, mm -hmm. like talking about that. That um... I, I wanted to talk about something. Let, let me see if I can get the page. Yeah, no, of course. I have oh, another yeah. sub -talk, sub topic, uh, which is <laughs> no, it was... an interesting topic because uh i think when we talk about paganism many people think about also the stat the, the status of the idols right or mm -hmm. the stone circles for example in slavic paganism it's it's uh, very common let me see if i have uh, yeah a lot of like older statues uh both wooden and stone have been um, have been unearthed lately, especially with the uh, the droughts that we had last mm -hmm. summer. I believe they affected like pretty much the whole of Europe. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of uh, rivers were at their lowest lowest point ever, and like a lot of statues and other uh, archae like archaeological artifacts. Jesus, that sometimes fast. Um, have been uncovered or have been uh, resurfaced, which is like incredibly interesting. But I haven't heard a lot about it from the 
the Baltic side of things. Uh, I've heard some Slavic, I believe, but um, you know that's like that's why I'm very happy that you know you're on the on the show because Baltic paganism is you know like I said it's still European paganism, but we know so little about it. We hear so little about it, like even in the mainstream media, like just you know yeah, look yeah, at yeah. there's not a lot there's not a lot like it. you know just look at Marvel, look at Hollywood. Who are they like absolutely yeah. obsessed with the Norse gods, the Germanic gods? It's, it's always the same. Yeah, yeah. Um, now let me share my screen again. Sorry, I'm just jumping back and forth. <laughs> no, these that's... are when it comes to uh, Baltic paganism. These are the figures, the so-called Russian oh, yeah. Babas. Now, these are also uh, somewhat of uh, some importance in, in Poland. And mm -hmm. I didn't know, but uh, back, well, it was already 12 years ago, when Poland held the uh, world, uh, the Euro Euro European football championship, yeah. they had this Babas uh, for all countries, you know, they used this. And, oh, this is for the Netherlands. Hey, I like it already. <laughs> the Italians, uh, the Russians, Czech. But the original figures are this, this Babas. And actually, in Gdansk, uh, just to, uh, for us to see how how neglected this is. Now, Gdansk is a, is a touristic hotspot. It's very uh, very popular city among tourists because of its beauty, because of also of its historical importance. Uh, of course, you have the museum, the World War II museum, the Westerplatte where the war started. But in the center of Gdansk, you have these. These are actual, real Persian babas um, that they were found in in the nowadays lands of Poland. And mm -hmm. of course, they were moved to Gdansk and they are now exposed in the museum in the center of Gdansk. What exactly is a uh, a Baba? Like we, we've, you know, of course, heard about it before. I think the most well-known being uh, Baba Yaga, for mm -hmm. example. And there's also supposedly this um, this CRS who like goes by the... Baba Fenger. But as yeah, far as I know, they Baba. are not related because... Uh, Baba, I think in Slavic uh, language, it's like uh, connected to grandma. But these Babas are not related to Baba Venga or Baba Yaga. These, uh, I don't know why they're called Babas, to be honest. Uh, but these uh, figures, as you see, they are mm -hmm. anthropomorphic. Uh, yeah. Like humanoids. As far as I understand, because they are very mysterious in their origin. Nobody knows for sure uh, where they originated, as you see here. That uh, this can maybe this was brought from Asia, Ukraine, or something. But uh, as far as it is uh, known in the literature, these were used as these were believed to have some not only symbolic but also they could have some powers, some mystical powers. So they were often used as uh, to delimit certain areas. For example, sacred sites and uh, certain lands. So, so were they depictions of certain deities or were they more ancestral-like? I think they were more ancestral-like. Not not of deities, not that I know. But as you see, there's like uh, uh, some people, they say, for example, uh, distinguished warriors or priests. So they, they could be uh, used for... Uh, for uh, the people's graves, but but I think they were used most for mostly to to as as a like to signalize that this area is a sacred area, as okay. as far as I understand. Now, I might be wrong because I have limited knowledge, <laughs> but then again, there is not a huge uh, uh, consensus on this because it's still 
very mysterious. Now, yeah. there is an interesting passage that I even, I believe that I sent you. Can you uh, enlarge the picture real quick? So that, yeah. Uh, yeah, there we go. I can like do a full screen layout yeah. as well, because this is, they're quite interesting. The, it's, it seems, yeah, it seems that the, uh, the positions of the arms are like always pretty much yeah. um, like angled towards mm. their body, like in, in like a, a, a praying fashion or uh, this um, one is holding uh, i think one of these drinking horn you know if you see here it looks like a drinking horn but uh, there is one that they are holding i think is this one you cannot see it very well that's like it's holding a, a sword that's that's all very interesting i've seen those stones or those kind of stones uh, or statues, statuettes, whatever they are. I've seen them before, um, but I, I never really knew what they were. So, like, it's, it's interesting. Like, every culture, like, pretty much worldwide um, does something with, you know, stones or wooden poles or whatever. Like, of course, in, um, you know, the, the Native Americans have their their totem poles, uh, you know, the Germanics, the the Norse, like, we do it with, uh, with wood as well, and also with um like all natural imagery and like do, do you suppose that it's because um like they are like it is really from nature you just you know pick up a big rock and start carving that it still holds that uh, that natural magic in it or it would be easier to um to imbue it with that kind of magic or with the the particularly particular because it's always you know either wood or stone i think it makes sense you know it, it could be i'm not sure if that is indeed the reason well actually my, my uh background it's supposed to be one of these bubbles but you know it's a bit cropped but uh, anyway yeah, because i mean there are uh, pagans and uh, this is not just baltic pagans of the north I, I guess they believed forests to be sacred certain places certain trees for example in the baltic mythology the oak is a very uh, important tree it's, it's a, considered a sacred tree as you see on that website you see the the, the oak leaves and, and the, you know. yeah oh would was that like his his crown or something like was that was that made of oak leaves the the deity that you uh, sure. you showed us not sure because i can go back that's that. it's funny because the the oak it's it's very hard wood of course it's very strong very durable well so. in this picture it's not detailed so it, you cannot see it as, as, a, as an oak leaf but on the website of the festival let me maybe i have to share my screen again yeah let me i think it's I ju it's just fascinating how it's always the same same kind of trees that are considered sacred see the oak leaf and the what, what's the name of this yeah the uh the acorn Acorn, exactly. And there, is, there are uh, uh, sacred uh, oak and, uh, uh, as I was saying, so yeah, they, they believed places and rocks, for example, the stone circles, uh, they are believed to, you know, these stones to be magic. And there is actually a passage, I think I sent you on Telegram, Let, let's see where I have it. Uh, you sent me a lot, so. Yeah, sorry, uh, I was. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's perfectly fine, man. That's perfectly fine. Because no there was a quote that I have, yeah, let me read, I'm going to read the quote is uh, so about the babas it's from one of these papers that i found mm -hmm. uh, that says and i quote for centuries russian babas have been rooted in folk consciousness as an integral element of ancient landscape the oldest documented example from 1401 and maybe from already 1312 shows that the anthropomorphic stone sculptures placed at the borders 
reflect the memory of their sacred function, whether it was the holy stone, devil stone, blasphemer, or the effect of scholarly interpretations, aquatic god Potrimpos, the names they have been bestowed with had clearly an emotional charge that atomized itself in various quiet kinds of actions used against them. And on that note, um, there is uh, these stones, of course, also underwent destruction. As you understand, Christians, when they invaded, they, they converted people, and they, mm-hmm. they, it's very often that they do that they transform uh, uh, sacred pagan sites into sacred Christian sites, into shrines, into forests. I saw some uh, documentary many years ago that, uh, you know, in Krakow, uh, the Mount Vavel, it's uh, believed to be, to have some special energetic properties. And of course, what you have there, you have the castle and the church there. But I believe that before that, it used to be some uh, sacred pagan site and many others, you know. Perhaps even in my native Portugal, the place Fatima, probably maybe there was some, some ancient uh, pagan site. I don't know. I haven't studied that. But just to conclude, so as they say, uh, yeah, these stones, of course, also underwent destruction. Sometimes the powers which emanated from there, from them were imprisoned in the sacred space of the Christian shrine. It was not only a subjugation and depressing prison, but also an important act of propaganda that affected ancient pagans. Yeah, the demoralization propaganda. The, the Christians seem to have a uh, a habit of doing that. I remember doing a uh, a show with um, with Odinson with uh, with Josh. Uh, I don't remember which one exactly, but I believe that uh, it was Josh who mentioned that when the uh, the pagans in Northern Europe like were truly you know hunted uh, the only safe place they had was in the church um you know but like any any good pagan you know would want to refuse that of course you know you're in quite the conundrum um you're being hunted you know like you're like literally have people chasing you and like you know wanting your head um so if the only safe place is it's it's tough and you know the, the destruction of uh like imagery or certain certain statues or whatever that is still happening worldwide like we see it with the um you know like with uh with isis for example who like really had a habit of going into you know musea and other holy sites and just rampant destruction going on there um which is interesting but because it's a very plutonic quality yeah yeah oh yeah very much so but like it's at the same time it is also admitting that these structures do indeed hold a kind of power because if they don't you know they wouldn't need to be destroyed i mean if anything it's the symbolic power by destroying these structures this this uh, symbols mm-hmm. they are in a way erasing it so that it can be re- rewritten you know that's uh, yeah i mean that's, that's, you know, that's the, the whole history. intention is written by the what the victorious or something yeah the yeah history is written by by the victors yeah which is uh, probably also one of the reasons why you know everything eastern european is um well portrayed as very dark and gloomy and barbaric and whatever yeah. uh because you know like i said the free west the the good guys exactly. won uh which is interesting because in every war ever the good guys always seem to win exactly it's always the good guys who win lucky yes. yeah yeah you know they're all no. very very lucky uh, we're all... <laughs> george Patton would uh, like a word with you but anyway 
yeah. I, I digress. Uh, but on, on the Babas, one last thing, sure. because they are very intriguing, uh, for sure. And there is this passage, which I also highlighted. Uh, one of the most characteristic features was the use of their hidden power and placing them on the limits of human action. It was the action reminiscent of folk magic, a stone in human form, a witness of the past, perhaps a habitat of ancestral spirit, used as a boundary marker, could serve an apotropic function, which I don't know what it means. But yeah, you see, there was uh, some importance to these. That's why you found them uh, all scattered. And actually, in this paper, they have uh, a table here. I'm not sure it's just a table. I don't mm. think it's so interesting. But just to say, I will just have a glimpse what? at the table because there were several sites in, in what is nowadays Poland. Mm -hmm. There were here, there is uh, in the literature or on this paper, there is 24 uh, sites where these uh, babas were discovered. 24. 20. So one's in this place of Galindia that we've seen earlier. Mm -hmm. The other one's in, in Pomesenia, which is basically near Gdansk, but a little bit to the to the east of Gdansk. And Bartia and Natangia, which is, I believe, uh, also further east, I think, it's in where is nowadays uh, probably Belarus or actually Lithuanian land. Yeah, I, I don't okay. remember. But yeah, so basically it's it's in that area. But uh, yeah, pl plenty of these artifacts have been, have, have been found. I mean, like... Uh... Um, people made of stone or people turned into stone, whether they be ancestors or not, is also like such an incredibly common thing you see in like the whole of European mythology, even, you know, to the far, uh, the far east, um, you know, the Greeks, of course, had, um, you know, the people turned into stone by Medusa, uh, like stone effigies and all of that here in the, in the north, even, uh, I believe in like biblical, uh, scripture there is well it's it's uh, a pillar of salt that someone turned into um you know from the 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 renaissance artists like these incredibly lifelike statues which you know could like quite literally be people just turned to stone like you see the the veins on the hands running and i believe there is even one uh one sculpture which um like is so incredibly accurate because it, like it has the pinky lifted which uh contracts like one specific muscle in the form forearm and that muscle is visible like people have been speculating for you know for so long like this can't be made by like hammer and chisel and just you know, very meticulous there has to be something else to it like are these you know literally people people, people frozen in in marble or like what uh, what is going on here i mean if you see the what is it the, the Greek sculptures or the Roman sculptures? I mean, they are so they yeah. are in such a detail that they seem like it could have been some person who was just petrified. And yeah, uh, like you know, at any moment they could just you know come to life and and walk away. Like and you know, you know the, the the folklore uh, is full of such stories. You know, the Medusa that turns into stone. Even yeah, you know, the modern day pop culture, Harry Potter. There was this. Uh, I think oh, there was the. Which turned you into the, stone. If you look at the snake, it the, would turn you the into basilisk. Stone. Well, yeah, it, yeah. it didn't necessarily turn you into stone, but it would uh, it would petrify ah, you. Oh, uh, so, yeah, it's 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 interesting how like that's still a thing in pop culture. Like it's been a thing in mythology for well, quite literally ages, millennia. Um, 
you know, and like I said, you know, the Native Americans, they have their, their totem poles, the, the Baltics and the Slavics have their, you know, your, your Babas. You know, we, uh, us here up in the North, we have our, you know, our poles and our, our stones and all of that. It's just, it's so fascinating how there is like so many common things, like in, in different forms, perhaps I would say that the Babas are, um, a little more crude you know like they're they're pretty pretty basic if you you know look at these sculptures that we just mentioned for example the babas are yeah. i mean like it's it's like my six-year-olds um drew <laughs> <laughs> drew them um but it's yeah i think it's just incredibly fascinating how so many cultures have that and um how much of it are ancestral spirits or represents ancestral spirits which is also uh, which also goes to show how important, you know, ancestors and ancestral magic and folk magic and everything was and still is really because those stones, they still hold that power. I, I do believe that they still hold a significant amount of power. They're, they're very old. They're very old stones. So they, uh, for sure, they have some historical importance, but I think that they might hold some power. For example, not far from Gdansk, there is a stone circle uh, and some people go there they say that these stones they have some uh energetic properties uh not long ago i was in slovenia in this town called uh Kran, mm -hmm. and it's actually not far from the train station if you walk from the train station into the the the, the old town to the main town of Kran, there is a part which is you know it's a bit sad because it's by the road you know we have the main road and there is like a bridge that goes to the town and there is a, a, a small uh area where you have grass and you have uh, some uh, what seems to be a monument some stone monument and mm -hmm. uh, now i believe this monument was built recently but this the reason uh, why this was built is that that specific point is a point uh, is believed to be an energetic point as well so it's because in that point there is a certain angle where the sun hits and if you're Go there, I believe it's in the uh, the solstice or something that you can see certain things. But the, the place itself is a, is a, is, a, is of energetic uh, significance. So there are places like this, but they're either converted into you know Christian places or they're just completely forgotten and uh, neglected, or they are hiding in the nature and you have to go discover them. I mean, like just imagine what those those stones must have seen, what all they have have gone through. You know, like the the world wars and the the changing of like quite literally the whole world the the rising of you know you name it people technologies entire countries yeah. it, it's 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 so fascinating to think about and like most people see them as stones you know they're stones they have like yeah they have like figures or faces or whatever carved in them but yeah you know it's that's really about it we'll just like if anything, we'll call it art. Um, but like, just to think, and like also the, you know, those ancient trees, for example, how much they have seen, how much they have, have lived. Um, like if anything, there is so much wisdom stored just by the passing of time. On that note, I wanted to make a reference because I just, you just reminded me of something that uh, somebody told me a few years, a few days ago. Mm -hmm. uh, actually related this is a topic that i wanted to touch and maybe i can delve a little bit more into this that uh, on the topic of you know prussian culture and 
Russian revival, there is there is some small groups, local groups, mostly located in Lithuania, trying to revive this. And one of these groups is basically trying to revive the Prussian language. So they have a website and oh, a dictionary, wow. and they recently started uh, lessons. So I am have been taking part on these lessons, and the person who is teaching us uh, Prussian, mm-hmm. so he has a, a YouTube channel. He actually that's how I discovered the language because I found this channel. I didn't know it was him. Uh, with this, I don't know why or, or when, but I started following because some of the videos they have English subtitles and you know he has this language. And uh, he made a video some years ago, it's like five or six years ago when he was in Gdansk, and he was filming this babas and he was saying in the video that uh, you know the uh, or saying to us that uh, you know it's sad that uh, you know the, the the stones they 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 have like some sound records, right? There is yeah, whatever sounds occur around the stones that they register and he was saying it would be interesting to hear what this if these stones could speak or if you could decode this what they hear because he said that uh, he was there in the summer so there was a lot of tourists back and forth there because this mm-hmm. is in the downtown by the river so touristic hotspot but nobody was paying attention to this baba only a small girl took attention to them and and him and he was saying that well, if, if these Babas could speak, you know, how, mu- how many stories they could tell and maybe they would be because he was doing the video speaking and to them. And they were saying, well, uh, I wonder for how long these Babas, they didn't hear their Prussian language spoken to her because it's been in Poland, people speaking Polish or all sorts of languages because, you know, stories from all over the world, which don't even pay attention to them. Oh, wow. That's really cool. So it was like, it was a little girl like a child who actually yeah, paid attention to i mean these are small structures so they are in the floor so they're probably passing the oh. and oh look at those figures you know curious because the parents they were busy doing whatever they were doing yeah no of course of course parents and to... this this uh, individual that he was there specifically for them but unfortunately now this building where they are it's like the museum the the archaeological museum or something and mm-hmm. it's closed. It's it's being renovated. And these babas, they are covered. So if you go there nowadays, it's covered like there is some uh, plastic on them, so you cannot see them. Hopefully, they will finish the the construction works, and by next summer we will be able to see them again. Because my I myself have gone through there, and I don't think I've ever noticed them. Which is oh, uh, like oh okay. <laughs> I mean, let's hope they'll uh, they'll be uncovered uh, yeah, soon again. Because now it's closed for for renovations, but. Okay, so there's like also literally a uh, a Prussian revival going on. Yeah, that is that is awesome. That is so good to hear that so many people like worldwide are uh, looking into their uh, looking into their heritage, looking into the the um, you know the language and the customs of their uh, their native countries, their native lands. That's you mind if I share my screen just to. One more time. Yeah, no, please, please do. So this is the community. Yeah, you see, the, this uh, Trunksta is what is nowadays known as Kaliningrad city or oh, uh, yeah. Konigsberg or Krulergets in, in Poland. Um, yeah, now this is a very, uh, oh, and they have, very recent project. They have so the three deities. The Lithuanian yeah, exactly. Prussian society. Okay. Yeah, because these people, they are located in, in Lithuania. Uh, you can see mm-hmm. them. Oh, so, that's that's amazing, though. So they're like pretty much doing what we are doing, but uh, with Russian 
Exactly. I commend them on that. That seems, but there is a lot less known about about it. So, yeah. They are even selling some flags. Oh, that's awesome. Can you uh, send me the link to that? Because I I definitely want to... Um, this want is to... the channel that I was telling you about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, if you could send me the, the link, it doesn't have to be now, but uh, like maybe afterwards uh, if you can send me the link i would love to uh to put that up in the uh in the description because it is um you know groups and efforts you like this that should be telegram or through uh you can send it over telegram you can send it in the uh in the private chats here on uh on streamyard uh, either way is... and this channel yeah. uh, this channel called prusiska uh, taluidasna which basically means prussian television something like that uh, so yeah. i'm gonna throw it up in the uh, in the chat here as well. So the link that I just shared, and for everyone who uh, who doesn't have any imagery right now because they are listening to this on the podcasting audio platforms, that is uh, Prus. Uh, how do how do I say that? Prus Prusai. So P R U S A I dot org. They are basically doing the same thing that we are doing with the tribe of the Guerin Pagans, but focused more on Prussia and Baltic paganism. So please uh, do support them as well in their efforts because um, they're going to have a much harder time than uh, than we will. Exactly. Uh, and the problem is that uh, because I'm in contact with some of the people there, you know, this mm-hmm. man that is doing the Prussian lessons and uh, some other person who is working with him. And of course, this is volunteering, and uh, you know they have to put their own money or some kind contributions. And yeah. even you know, if you want to get funds, it's not so easy because academia apparently they are not so interested. And I mean, theoretically, you could make the case for this is a project of cultural significance, so maybe you could get grants from but, the EU. But it's not so easy to get those grants, and you know, all to get some uh, some, um, some support, some some uh, endorsement, you know. Because if you well, have some institution, uh, mm-hmm. as is some state institution, let's say a faculty or university supporting it, maybe it could help you. But they are a little bit uh, alone. It's not so easy. So yeah, it's kind of uh, well. I mean, good, good thing you uh, you pointed them out to us because um, you know, like we're also definitely about supporting other tribes and supporting other communities in uh, in their efforts to, you know, regain whatever they feel they uh, they have lost. Um, so- Can I share my screen again? Because I wanted to ask, are you, I guess you or many of the people that are watching or will watch this are into mm-hmm. music, right? So there is a band called Romoverikoito. So this is the band that is, like, they have a lot of, uh, songs in Prussian and it's a beautiful uh, band it's they make beautiful music you know they uh, make kind of some folk and yeah you okay. see the titles it's in Prussian and yeah as you can see so they just I think they dropped a recent single now and yeah and they, they have dropping a new one. Oh yeah oh really cool oh that's that's there's a true Prussian revival going on that is yeah great to see thank you so much for sharing this i would have never known about this if it you know if it wasn't for you sharing this with us so that's also why i wanted to come here because on one hand i know that i still don't know a lot about about the paganism and maybe i made some mistakes i hope 
not a lot. But also, I wanted to just uh, spread the word, raise the topic, and uh, yeah, uh, because this is a topic that has been widely unexplored, and that I think it's it's a beautiful culture, it's a beautiful you know uh, uh, folklore that is unknown by many. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. I mean, I really all I know about Baltic paganism is well, you know what you just told me told told the audience in the last well let's say hour and a half um and you know with the tribe like we we focus ourselves on a lot you know a little bit of pagan like a lot of paganism of course you know some witchcraft some uh occultism mysticism like whatever uh but all you know quite limited to the germanic countries of course because that's you know where most of us feel at home that's what most of us call home um but you know prussia and and uh, the baltic states and all it is still europe exactly it i is mean very uh, much europe i think part- there is some, uh, some some people even say that in lithuania mm-hmm. i think somewhere in vilnius there is a monument to this or like a sign there is like the geographical center of europe i don't know how come is that but i've actually i've heard about this many years ago even way before i went to lithuania because some people say there is this geographical center of europe how or why i don't know what's the framework but that there is something there I think I even saw it when I was in Vilnius many years ago. Uh, there is somebody, like some theory or whatever, some people believe that. But yeah, it's pretty much Europe. It's very European, you know. Yeah, but it's it's like such a large portion of Europe that really doesn't get talked about that really isn't isn't discussed all that much. I think the only one, if I just... You know, go by the the groups I'm I'm following on uh, on Telegram. Mostly, the only one I I truly see talking about Baltic paganism sometimes is uh, Cole Cole Wolfson. Um, he's more of a yeah. I mean, like he he, he really does paganism as well, but like kind of in a, a shit posting kind of way. Um, but like even even what he does is limited. So. Thank you very much for um, for sharing all of this. Uh, I'm gonna like really have to have to watch this like three, four more times to really have it all all sink in and like truly understand. Um, um, may I ask you? I think I, I sent you this this uh, documentary. I don't. Do you have the chance to watch it? Uh, I have watched because um, I wanted the, to make some critic to it. I have I have watched the uh, the majority of it. I haven't had a had a chance yet really to, uh, to watch all of it. I've been at uh, at work a lot and um, you know writing a lot and trying to get uh, get some more podcasts and roundtables going. Um, but I, it's it's very interesting and um, it, it's it's a good good depiction. It's it, of course it's all very, but it's not one hundred percent accurate because also uh, what I read, uh, for example, there is a part there where they having this uh, you know the man with the many women and then he sleeps one of, with one of the women. Mm-hmm. Now I don't think this is uh, accurate because these societies, the, the, the tradition, the Baltic pagan societies were very much conservative. There is a book, actually, uh, I, I, I couldn't send you the, the link because I don't know where I got it, because I'm in so many Facebook groups and sometimes somebody just pastes the, some uh, link or some document and I just don't know the... But there is a book called uh, Woman in Lithuanian Folklore. This mm-hmm. is a dissertation. And actually, according to this dissertation, the Lithuanian traditional society, and given the, the proximity, the geographical, the ethnic, eth- ethno-linguistic proximity and cultural and uh, religious proximity, I think it is safe to assume that 
you know, the Prussian tribes, they function in a very similar way. But basically, the, the Lithuanian society, it was very conservative. You know, they really appraised virginity and, and uh, chastity in women. So if a woman was to, you know, be defiled, you know, unless it's with the husband, if not, it's very frowned upon and she loses all support. You know, if they, even if they get, uh, for example, in wars, if they got raped and got terminated mm -hmm. by their... Uh, enemies. Many women, they even uh, killed themselves because they couldn't live with this. With the guilt. Oh, so, wow. yes, this was a very... And actually, there's a comment here that this happened during the pagan time. Mm -hmm. and, even, and that's actually why the, the then the, many of the women in Lithuania were keen to or to adapt to Christianity or the Christians were keen to, you know, convert them because uh, there was like a point that they were very compatible because the Christian morality, uh, there was very conservative. So they were very okay with it. So, well, uh, during paganism, we had this very traditional and, and yeah. chastity, these traditions that were very chaste in Christianity as well. So they were happy to, so they, this wasn't an, an obstacle. Obstacles, so it's not like oh well during paganism we had these crazy orgies and now we have to be just no it's it's the same very very conservative very chaste. yeah it's, it's, so it's just a myth and nobody had uh, seven women it's it's mon uh, it's it's still an image that is being pushed that you know Which especially yeah no that especially the men that they just you know yeah they had a wife but you know they didn't have enough with you know just one wife they you know basically. Now, when around in, town, in some, and... uh, passage here they say that if a man has, for example, if goes to war and has something with whatever he is, if he's traveling, mm -hmm. uh, now they, they are uh, they encourage uh, they they were monogamous, but if this is happening, like it's not so frowned upon as the woman. If the woman has an affair, like adultery, from yeah. the part of the man is more was more tolerated than from the part of the woman. But there was in no mean, you know, polygamy or polyamory or, you know, all of this crazy hedonism. No, I mean, would, would that just be a remnant of Christian propaganda? Exactly, because all, also, uh, you know, they, they make this, they made this propaganda. They say that they were, you know, the devil's people, the sons of the devil or whatever. Oh, God, yeah. I, I mean, I mean like... it's the equivalent, but, you know, many centuries before of the, you know, they are... Put, uh, throwing what, what was it in the Gulf War? They were throwing the babies off of the incubators in the World War One. They were uh, uh, yeah, so, children with bayonets. No, the, the they were electrifying the floor and they put in the, you know, the machine. I mean, uh, ears and ears. I mean, apparently they're like now doing the same things in Ukraine or whatever, or like right. same same story or something. But like that, that's that's just propaganda to you know like make the other party look like you know the true bad guys. And it's a good thing yeah. that that we stepped in and you know are coming to save those people because look at what they're doing to you know the poor children. It's always about the children. It's it's, yeah. it's you know because they're like a true symbol of innocence innocence exactly and what they, they do to the children i mean in the catholic church a lot of pedophilia scandals happening so oh god yeah, yeah. Uh, well, there were stuff which i don't think it's this is the right context to speak of no but, but uh, yeah you know the the point is made it's uh, like you know it's still a lot of uh of propaganda is yeah, it's uh, projection is it's a very typical tactic when it comes to this kind of uh, political wars projection 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 so a lot of stuff that we hear about you know so-called bad guys 
being nowadays with whoever is the bad guy or 30 years ago, 50, 100, 200 yeah. years ago. Uh, how much of it is it indeed true that they were uh, atrocities? How much of it it is, you know, fantasized? I don't know. I mean, that's, you know, assuming that whatever you read in the newspapers isn't colored by, you know, some political preference or by some, you know, very wealthy donor with his own agenda. Um, and, you know, b back then, it really wasn't any any different than it is now. You know, everything was still, it was still colored. People had their, uh, their own agendas, of course, still. And, you know, people had to be made into the bad guys to, you know, give, you know, to provide a reason of why they should be invaded or why war should happen. Because, you know, look at what they're doing. And yeah, it's it's a thing of, of all ages ages really yeah. and that's like why human nature or something like yeah that. yeah i guess um the, the, the dark side of human nature so oh god we have some dark sides yet to uh to explore within ourselves uh but yeah i mean that's why i'm i'm so incredibly happy that there are you know that there are tribes and you know groups like the the Pruse who are like doing their best to get the truth out there to um you know revive the the um, the customs and even even the language i mean i think that would be most hard of all to yeah, yeah. like truly revive the language because as you said it's pretty much a dead language isn't it now there has been some efforts since the 1980s uh so they're just carrying but I, i as far as i understand these efforts were more restricted to academic circles so it was like the academics the, the scholars that were studying it now these people they are bringing it more to you know more like a, i wouldn't say mainstream but you know democratizing it so everyone can yeah they have a dictionary they have a website they have several uh videos on youtube where they teach some basics and they speak They have videos of this guy, you know, uh, talking about stuff with English subtitles, which is a great work, you know. He's talking about, you know, this tree signifies this and that, you know, this is the sea, in the sea there are fishermen, blah, blah, blah. So it's it's a very it's a very interesting channel. It's a very interesting project, what they have. It's very, very small. It's very few people, but people of, of uh, goodwill. Well, and, you know, that's that's what's most important, right? Just the, the will and dedication to it you don't need the numbers you just need to like really be dedicated to it and um so you know for anyone uh watching now or later or for anyone listening um you know go go support them as well uh, you know i've I, this is like, I recommend third time, yeah like just any you're not learning a language you know instead of learning what's the the this nonsense that was the language i know that some years ago it was a fad that people were learning the language of the avatar movie wasn't it and then oh, the language of the yeah. game of thrones the what the track or something well stop learning the track or whatever this nonsense is and go learn <laughs> real languages like the all Russian those language it's an old language it's a beautiful language that's what i could say all the fictional languages yeah exactly um, because uh, i don't know some i mean like if you want to learn a fictional language then like at least have it be the uh the elvish of Tolkien, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna choose anything, like do that because Tolkien, my God, he, I mean, he was a Catholic, but damn, he was a pagan. <laughs> but uh, is there anything more, anything else that you uh, that you wish to share with us, or do you want to leave something and do a little more research so that we can, like, perhaps uh, soon or you know, somewhere uh, somewhere later in the year or 
you know, maybe wait another year so we can do a, uh, a part two, because this has all been incredibly fascinating. And again, I thank you so much for uh, for coming on and for uh, for sharing this for having me. with us. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I know you were you know quite nervous because, you know, like, first time... Like kind of baptism of fire? Or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, um, I mean, like uh, a lot of people, uh, their first time on a podcast was on this podcast. So you could say I popped a few cherries, um, mm-hmm. a few podcasting cherries. Um, which sounds nasty. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, no, thank you very much for um, for coming on. Thank you very much for, you know, sharing all that you uh, you have shared. Uh, do you have anything to, to promote? Any last words? Um, anything that, that you're currently working on? That, uh... I'm on my deathbed. <laughs> Sorry. No, uh, well, yeah, I'm interested in this. Of course, I have to do a little bit more of uh, research. I even plan to go to Lithuania this year to hopefully attend this festival and, and also to explore a little bit more but uh, in case you don't have anyone volunteering to do any coverage on Slavic paganism maybe I'll have to do it as well but I I do know at least some people that are into Slavic paganism maybe I can talk to them and convince them to come on because I think they would be great guests uh, so by yeah. all means I mean there, there is a local pagan group um, they do their things in Polish, but I think they can speak English. Uh, and also, I know a, a content creator that does stuff about uh, Slavic paganism, although I don't have direct contact with him. But I think they, either of them, they would be great, great guests on uh, on this show because they could, uh, and they it's, could talk a lot about this. And it's about time that we also start um, looking more eastwards, looking more into uh, to Eastern Europe. And not Europe. That, e- that far east, like here the, the near east no yeah like still still you know eastern europe stay within europe like we're, we're focused on europe and european paganism and pagan revivals so uh you know baltic paganism prussia it's been a amazing start it's been uh you have cared a lot and have you know like for sure given me a lot to um, a lot to think about i have shared the uh the bandcamp link and the link to the Pruse, I have shared them in the in the tribe as well. For um, you know, because as a tribe, we should support the other tribes and the other communities who are working towards the same goal. So yeah, thank you very much, Alex, for um, for coming on. I'm I'm looking forward to uh, you know whatever you'll and uh, for anyone and everyone watching and listening and who. Um, who were in the live chat. Thank you all so much for joining us once again on the Greyhorn Pagans podcast. This was a amazing start um, into looking more eastwards, looking more into Eastern Europe. Uh, don't forget to uh, to like the video, like the stream, share it with, well, everyone really. Um, like don't, don't be shy, share it. Like they don't even have to be interested. Just, you know, share it, get interested. Um, leave us something nice in the comments. If you are listening to this on the podcasting platforms, um, make sure to give us that sweet, sweet five-star rating. Um, cause that way the algorithm like also will like us and will push out the podcast even further and join us for the pagan revival through our 
website www.greyhornpagans.com and with all of that said with all of the shilling done alex thank you very much for taking off what uh what definitely will be a um a deeper look into eastern european paganism so thank you all once more and i will uh see you all soon because i'm doing another one so oh, thank wow. you all a bit of a marathon. yeah <laughs> well yeah uh next one will be uh at the the time of recording this will be in about an hour with uh with my wife and we'll be talking more witchy stuff uh so something else entirely than uh prussia and the baltics but uh equally interesting <laughs> yeah <laughs> so thank you all for listening thank you all for watching we will see you next time yeah